If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn to Philippians chapter 4. And let's stand for the reading of the word. God is good, amen? He's worthy of it all, amen? Philippians 4, verse 4, and then we're going to read 6 through 7. And I have a word that I believe God wants me to share with you tonight. It says, always be full of joy. I'm in the New Living Translation. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Verse 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Lay your hand on yourself. Would you tonight begin to pray for yourself, God? We pray for ourselves tonight that you'll help us to soak in. Lord God, I receive the word that you want to speak to us. Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light upon our path. So light our path tonight, Lord God, enlighten our hearts and our minds. Now would you stretch your hands out to me tonight, help me to pray that I'll deliver it as I should, God. Pray for strength tonight, alertness, Lord God, the ability to communicate that which you want me to communicate tonight. Lord, let your word go forth and not return void tonight, and we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name, amen. You can be seated tonight. Tonight's message might feel like a little... uh, part two of this morning or a little, I don't know, tag team from this morning or a little overlap a little bit from this morning, but just felt like God laid this on my heart. And tonight, the title of this message is Why Worry? Why Worry? If you're taking notes tonight, why worry? And I think we all know what worry and anxiety is. Isn't that right? And recently, as I told you this morning, I was worried about something and the Lord spoke to me and said, you know, what did he say? Is your boat still afloat? Can we say that together? Is your boat still afloat? Remember that next time. Next time you get worried and nervous about something. But here's some thoughts the Lord gave me, myself. He said, you know what? And this goes for all of us. You're only alive because I created you. We, we only live because he created us. Psalms 139, 13, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderful, wonderfully made. There we go. Guess what? We didn't come up with this. You did not come up with yourself. The only reason you live today is because God formed you and made you. And knit you together in your mother's room. In fact, this, not just the fact that we have life, but you have life today because he put breath in you today. Now think about that. Job 33, 4 said, the spirit of God has made me and the breath of the almighty gives me life. Isaiah 42, 5, thus says God, the Lord who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and its offspring, who gives breath to the people on it, and spirit to those who walk in it. You can breathe and come to church today because he let you breathe. And, And can I say this, and it's kind of a weird thought, 
And, and it's this. The only reason you're alive to worry is that he let you be. And now, you say, well, that's a weird statement. What do you mean? Well, this is what I mean. That's how much he's really in control. And you're not. You're only breathing because he let you today. In fact, you only live on this planet because he's holding it up. The Bible says that he holds everything together by his word. Hebrews 1.3, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. All things by his powerful word. Gravity exists today. And you're not floating around in space because of his word. Right? God was not like the deists who believed that he just wound up the world and then stepped aside and watched it from a distance. Remember that 90s song, From a Distance? That was so stupid. It wasn't true. I'm sorry, Bette Midler. It's not true. He didn't just wind it up and let it go and let us watch us just do our thing. And No, God is actually holding it all together today by his powerful word. Even the air you breathe, it happens because God's word is holding it together. Are you with me? So think about that, how awesome our God is. And so you start to say, so why do we worry? Why worry? Has anybody ever worried in this place? Just be honest. And here's some thoughts for you. And here's one. In pride, everybody say pride. We somehow think that in our strength, we have to hold something up. A situation, a problem, political issues, everything around the world. We think that somehow we've got to help God by helping him hold it up through our worry. Come on. In fact, we think the situation is so dire and so important that we can't possibly just leave it in the hands of God. No. We've got to think through it, lose sleep over it, stew over it, be anxious over it, be worried it isn't going to turn out right. Now, I'm not saying we consciously think that, but that has to be the basis of why we would do that when we serve such an awesome God. And listen, that's a lie of Satan because Matthew 6, 27 says, who of you worrying can add a single hour to his life? In other words, Jesus is saying, your worry isn't solving anything. In fact, the Bible says it does just the opposite. Proverbs 12, 25 says, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. So while we think maybe subconsciously that We've got to help God out here a little bit with this situation. All it's actually doing is hurting us, and it's weighing us down. And, and, and I guess we just think that somehow he needs our worry. And let me just say, that is pride. I'm sorry if I'm stepping on your toes, but it's pride. Now, now listen for a minute. Us. He, he said... Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? If we all sat here for the next hour and worried and thought, we need more time today. We don't need 24 hours. We need 25 hours. And we just all sat here and worried about, are we going to get an extra hour? No. We're not that good. 
You're not that good. We're not that powerful. We can't add one hour to our day, but we know the one who created what an hour is. We know the one who created time, period. Now, just let that sink in for a minute. Can you just let that? So then why on earth do we want to hang on to something when we can't add one hour? But he can do anything he wants to. He made up what a minute is. He made up what a second is. He made, are you getting the picture of the comparison between what we can do and what he can do? And yet we hang on to stuff. Like somehow he needs us to help him solve it. Or, or, or maybe this. Maybe it's just that we want to solve it ourselves. Maybe it's just that we want to be self-sufficient. I mean, sometimes we want to be that way, right, people? Don't deny it. Not everybody. But sometimes, man, I, I want to do this myself. And God's saying, good luck with that. Because you, you ain't going to get it done. Or, or how about this? If, if we are worrying, here's maybe an underlying thought. Maybe God has the power. Or we know he has the power. I mean, he created time. But maybe he doesn't really care enough about me to come through. Maybe that's something we think in our hearts sometimes. And, and here's a scripture for you. Matthew 37, 29. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Who's ever heard that scripture before? Yeah, almost everybody in here. But you know the context that that scripture is in? He's talking about his believers being persecuted. And he's telling them, don't be afraid of being persecuted, disciples, because here's the deal. He says, you're not going to die without it being the will of God. He's saying, you're not going to die without it being under the care and the will of my Father. And then he says that scripture, if my Father cares about a sparrow that we would pay half a penny for, and it does not die unless it's under the care and the will of my Father, how much more you? Are you catching that? That's how much God loves you. That's how much God cares about you. His eye is on the sparrow. Anybody know that song? His eye is on the sparrow. Something that seems so worthless, and there's gazillions, bazillions, whatever you want to say of them, on the earth. But one of them doesn't die outside of his care. And that means nothing's going to happen to you outside of the care and the love of your Father. Amen? We operate like he doesn't care. We operate like, oh, I hope, I hope God doesn't let me down. I hope God comes through for me this time. And you didn't know this morning he let you breathe and he counted all the hairs on your head. He's doting over you so much like you're his special child. Keep that in mind. Or here's another one. Sometimes we just don't trust him to come through. I know God's good. I know he loves me. I know it information-wise. I don't know it really revelation I talked about that this morning. I know he, he loves me, but 
he didn't come through for me before, or I saw him not come through for someone else, or I saw a child of God who had to suffer. Someone I prayed for didn't get healed. Someone died, and someone was hurt. Where was God? Those are kind of serious questions to ask, and we could probably talk about that all night. But can I just give you one thought? We've just seen some hurricanes happen in Houston, Corpus Christi, Florida. Isn't that right? Guess what? Those hurricanes happen to Christians and non-Christians. Matthew 5, 45 says, For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. Christians went through floods. And non-Christians. You know what the difference is? If you know Christ, you know someone, like I said this morning, bigger than the storm. You know someone who can speak and say, peace be still. And listen, if he doesn't, then like Paul this morning, you trust him to take you through it. That's why Psalms uh, 23 says, through the valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't say camp out in the valley of the shadow of death. Thank you, Jesus, we're camping out. No. God's saying he would lead us. He's a good shepherd. He's a good, good father. It's who he is. It's who he is. But sometimes we don't think he is. Not y'all, I know. None of y'all here. But I'm talking about when the rubber meets the road. And we have to know in those times that God's intention is not to leave us in the valley of the shadow of death or in the storm, like I said this morning, but to take us through. Isaiah 43, 2, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. God is a take you through God. And if you've got to be in the storm like Paul, and you've got to be in the hurricane, he will be the take you through God. Didn't that happen to Daniel? Daniel did not escape the lion's den. And Daniel was a righteous man, a smart man, incredibly smart, incredible leader. And he was loyal to God, and he prayed three times a day. We all know that. He was at early morning prayer, noon prayer, evening prayer. He never missed. In fact, that's why he was sort of in trouble. And did we ever hear Daniel say, why, God, have you allowed me this? We don't ever see that. But how many of us know, and we all know, God brought him out of that lion's den. Isn't that right? God brought him through. Everybody say through. Kind of like this morning, over to the other side. God brought him through. And listen, it was a testimony to the king. A big testimony. In fact, as a result of Daniel going through the storm, through the lion's den, the king and here's, your, here's the scripture, wrote to all the nations and the peoples of every language in all the earth. Can we just say all the earth? All the earth. Listen one more time. He wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth. The king wrote an edict to every single person in the entire world. May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. 
as a result of Daniel going through the lion's den. If God would have just uh, allowed him not to go there, I'm going to deliver my servant Daniel, it might not have read the same to the king. Here's a word. Perhaps God wants to use your suffering, the trial, the waiting, the valley of the shadow of death, the storm, as a means for other people than just you to be impacted. Maybe there's someone God wants to use for you to touch. My wife, Pastor Melissa, she says hi to all of you guys, by the way. And, um, man, I think it was nine years ago. We were getting ready to plan to move to Dallas to open King's Chapel Dallas. We had been the music directors for 21 years at the cathedral. It was a big change for us. Whole new culture, whole new job description. And, and it's the fall, and, and she's been having, like, pains in her, in her chest. And, and we were doing plays and uh, doing Birthday of a King. And I'd say, she was Miss Bird, if you know who that is. I'd say, come on, hon, I need you to go up these steps. And I was directing, and she said, I can't. I can't do it. I can barely breathe. And she would just sit on the front row, and we didn't know what was wrong. And so we took her to the, to the doctor. They looked at her heart. She didn't pass her stress test. And she's about 43 years old, 42 years old. And so on the island of Maui at the hospital, they didn't quite have all the, you know, they don't have all the stuff that they needed to check it out. So they said, we got to fly you to Honolulu. So we thought, okay, we'll go to Honolulu for the day, go to the doctor, come back. And so we fly over there, I go with her, and we get to the hospital, and they check her heart, and they said, you're not going home. And she's like, what? They said, you have a double blockage in your heart. At age 42, she's been healthy, you know, and, and, and she didn't have, like, high cholesterol or any of that sort of thing, but there was a blockage. They said, you've got to have open-heart surgery. You're not going home. You could die at any moment. Now, that's a shocker. And, and, and two days later, open-heart surgery. And our kids are back on Maui, and we're trying to make sure they're being taken care of, and we're there, and families coming in. And I'm sitting in the waiting room the day that they operate on her, and the nurse comes out to me, and she says, Mr. Davis, your wife's heart is beating again. Whoa, that'll freak you out. I mean, glory to God, it was beating again. We prayed for her, but God didn't deliver her from the lion's den. God didn't take her out of the storm. She actually had to walk through it. Glory to God, she made it through it, and she's alive today and doing well. Hallelujah. But let me tell you something. Because she had to walk through it, when she meets someone person who's older, because was, she was pretty young to be having that. And usually it's a person who's older, and they said that they've had open heart surgery. When she says, I've had that, let me tell you, suddenly there's kind of a bond, or there's a connection. Oh, you walked through something that I had to go through. And suddenly there's an openness to hear her story and to hear what God did for her. In fact, we were in Oregon uh, we were doing a luau for KC Oregon, and we were putting it together. And one of the ministers at the church there, their relative came to the luau, and he was young too. 
and he was getting ready to have open heart surgery. And my wife just felt like she should go pray for him. So she went over to him. He really wasn't serving God either. But he came to the luau, and she said, you're getting ready to have open heart surgery? He said, yeah, in like two weeks. And she said, let me pray for you. She laid hands on him, and when he went back to the doctor, every blockage was completely open, and he was completely made whole. Because she walked through, everybody say through, the valley of the shadow of death, she was able to minister, and God allowed that man not to. So think about this for a minute. If the world sees Christians escape everything and never have any troubles, here's a thought. They could end up hating God for treating them unfairly. Seeing themselves as an outsider. They wouldn't relate to you, Christian, goody two-shoes. You never have to go through anything. But when you have to go through things, when you face the same hurricanes, the same storms, the same heart issues, and you come out triumphant, alive, courageous, blessed, encouraged, made it through the tough times, it says God can do the same for them. Even a young man who showed up at a luau didn't know he was going to get way more than a luau that night. He was going to get healed by the king of kings. Amen. It says to them, God is real. And it said to the king, when Daniel, when the the mouths of those lions were shut, that wasn't going to happen. When they were shut and God brought him through, it said to the king, God is God, the true living God. So let me tell you this. Jesus said, John 16, 33, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, will, you will have trouble. Jesus just laid it out for us right there. He said, in this fallen world, you're going to have trouble. Trouble's going to come. Your car's going to break down sometimes. You didn't change the oil when you were supposed to or something. You know, things are going to happen. But catch this. He said, I have overcome the world. You have the overcomer on your side. We, we worry about death, and he's the one who overcame death, hell, and the grave. We worry about paying our bills, and he's Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. In fact, it says, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches. We worry about sickness, and he's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. He took stripes on his back to heal us. We worry about not being enough sometimes, and he's El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. You might worry about being up in front of people like I am and speaking and talking, and he's literally the one who speaks things into existence. We worry about the world condition, politics, and where our earth is headed and our nation is headed. And he says, my times, our times are in his hands. We worry about the church, and he's the head of the church. Are you getting the picture? Hebrews 2.8 says, everything is under his feet. Jesus overcame everything. That little thing in the back of your mind tonight that you're fretting about, How is that going to happen? He overcame it already. The thing you're worried about, about your kids, 
fretting about, he overcame it already. Those finances you're wondering, I'm worried how that's going to work out. He overcame it already. Every, literally, he's bigger than everything. He's overcome absolutely everything. And his intention for you is to have peace through it all. Can everybody say peace? He says, I told you these things so that in me you might have peace. Not panic. Not pandemonium. Peace. Everybody say peace. So I'm going to get real kind of just practical with you. Is that all right? When somebody speaks, I like to take away something I can put to work and do. So I'm going to give you something you can do practically, and here it is. How do I do that, you might ask? How do I live in peace and not worry and anxiety over things? And I'm going to give you four things, four T's. Put them in your phone or something tonight. Write them down. Four things, four T's. And they were in the text that we read. It said, the first one is this, write down, tell. Everybody say, tell. It said, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. You know what that's really saying? It's saying, pray about all things. Worry about no things. It's saying everything is worth praying about. That little thing, that thing you think isn't significant, God wants you to talk to him about it. That thing that you think he doesn't care about or that nobody cares about, he actually does care about. He wants you to tell him. I've said this many times before, but I'm going to say it again. God wants you to get honest with him. God wants you to get real with him. He doesn't want you to come to him trying to cover up what's going on in your life. He already knows. You're not hiding anything from him. It's like Adam and Eve trying to hide behind a tree somewhere after they sinned. And God says, Adam, where are you? He knew where they were. He knew they were behind tree number three. So, so why is God saying, Adam, where are you? God knows everything. You know what he's saying? Adam, where are you really? Where are you? You know what God wants to know? He just wants you to be straight up with him and tell him where you're at. You see that all through the Psalms. You see David pouring. He even said, I pour out my complaint before you, God. David was a man after God's own heart. David is one of the greatest men in the Bible, and yet you see him pouring out his complaints to God. God, why this? Why this? God, this and this and this. I mean, he just lays it out, and sometimes it's not that pretty. I mean, he just lays it out straight. That's what God wants from you. And yet you always, pretty much always, see David come back around to the end of those psalms and say, but... I know that God will do this, 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 and he gives praise to God. You see, that's what God wants from you. The Bible says worship him in spirit and in truth. He wants the real you. He wants the real you that you might not even show to very many people. In fact, let me say it this way. He wants the realest you. The, pull off the mask. 
and tell them what's going on in your life. I challenge you in your prayer time when you go to bed tonight or tomorrow morning when you get up, I challenge you to, to start by praising God or if you're not, don't throw stones at me. Or if you're not there yet, be like David and say, God, I know I'm supposed to get up and praise you this morning, but here's what's on my heart for real. This, this isn't working out. This, my attitude right here. And just, if I can say it like this, strip down, in a sense, before God. Get the mask off. Get the way that you try to hide, because you want to say the right things to God and jump through the right hoops so he'll like you and make you feel good. And you, I had a good day, yay. And then down inside, you're still worried about stuff. And so God would rather you not do that. He would rather you just come and pull it all off and say, here I am, God. Blah, here it is. And then start to praise him out of that situation. Are you with me today? That's what God wants. Everybody say tell. Tell. He wants you to tell him. Secondly is this, throw. 1 Peter 5, 7 says throw or cast all your worry on him because he cares for you. God is sitting there like the catcher in a baseball game saying, would you please throw it to me? I want to help you. I want to help solve the issues you're going through. Would you? He, it's a command. Throw me the ball. That's what he's saying. You want to win? Throw me the ball. That's what God is saying. But interesting, listen, the verses before that said, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. It's exactly what I said before. It's our pride sometimes that just wants to hang on to it. But he's saying, humble yourself and throw it on me. You know, I was at Pastor Kirsten's the other night, and Ikella, his son, picked up this football that was laying out in the yard. Hey, Ikella, can you come help me for a minute? Can you stand over there? Give Akella a hand, all right? And, and, and Akella said, Uncle Pastor, would you want to play catch? And seriously, people, I'm the worst athlete of all time. It's true. From ping pong to baseball to Nerf basketball, whatever. I'm terrible, all right? Not the gift that I got. But we were playing catch, right? And so I would throw it to him. Isn't that right? And, and can we do this for a minute? Are you going to catch it? All right, here you go, bud. Good catch. Can you throw it back to me? All right. I feel good. I caught it and he caught it. <laughs> I feel relieved. That's what God wants us to do. He's standing there. Can you yell at me? Throw it to me. That's what God's saying. Say, would you please throw it to me? And we're like, sure. And this is what we do. <laughs> Try to grab it. <laughs> we act like we're throwing it to him, but we don't let go of it. And we're like, can I have it back? 
Good job, Kellen. And that's what we're like. We don't trust him. No, we're, we're not done. We don't trust the God who created time. The God who's more awesome than we can imagine. The God who has our back. And, and can you just say it again? Throw it to me. And here's what he really wants. He wants us just to release it. And he's going to catch it just like this young man. Come on, give him another hand. So we not only have to tell God everything, we then have to throw it. Can I give this back to somebody? We got to throw it and say, it's yours. I'm sliding it across the table. God, it's in your corner now. You're God anyways. This is your thing. I didn't make this up. You did. I didn't dream up this life. You did. You made me. You formed me. It's in your hands, God. I'm handing it over to you. Because listen, when we worry, it's just not faith. And worry will not change the situation, but I tell you what will. Faith will move God and will move mountains. And you re- when you release your situation to the one who can actually, actually fix it, you're expressing faith. Throw it. Tell God and then throw it on him and say, I'm done. You don't need my help. If you need anything, let me know. God, if you need me to do any action toward this thing, reveal it to me. Show it to me unless he's already showed you some action. But otherwise, it's all you. Let me know if I need to do anything. Can you do that tonight? Tell. Throw. Three is this, think. The verses after that say, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. The next thing you have to do then is get your thoughts right. Because that's the battleground where the enemy will attack you. And so you told God and you threw it to him and you're walking away saying, and then in your brain you start thinking, what if he doesn't come through? Or you stop thinking, maybe he needs me to stay up all night worrying about this situation. Oh, man, that was not good. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Pastor Kirsten's laughing. I I stepped on, yeah, never mind, if you can see. The reason why it says that after that scripture we read, the text is because that's where the battleground is. And that's where the enemy will attack you. And you've got to get your thoughts right. That's why Colossians 3, 2 says, set your minds on things above. That's why the one we read says, fix your thoughts. Do you notice something about that? It doesn't say this. Automatically, you're going to think the right thoughts because you're so spiritual. There was a period in my life when I was younger, this is the absolute truth, where I I had some stupid concept that if I had to actually, just bear with me on how stupid this was, okay? But that if I actually had to think of it myself, I'm sorry, it's just way out there. But if I actually had to think of it myself that it wasn't spiritual, somehow if it was really spiritual, God would just let me think it. It don't work like that. It doesn't say that. It says you fix your thoughts. 
It says, you set your mind. That means God, God's saying, pick up your sword and put it to work. So when you toss it to him and you walk away, you've got to be saying, I am more than a conqueror through him who loved me. You've got to be saying, he will say, peace be still over my situation. I've got to be saying, God, I told you I need money. I told you I need a job. And, and I threw you my tithe. <laughs> that was so scary. And now I'm walking away. And you got to be saying, my God will supply all my needs according to. you got to be getting your thoughts on what's true and lovely and admirable and of good report. This is what it is right here. And you've got to pull out that sword. Otherwise, you're going to get beat up. And if you want to win, you got to tell. you got to throw. And you got to think right. Amen? And here's the last one. you got to thank God. It said, tell God what you need in our text and thank him for all he has done. Did you know that when you thank God, it actually shows that you think he's going to come through for you? It shows that you actually believe he's going to do it because you're thanking him for it in advance. That's why the verses before say, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say it, rejoice, because praise is like, it's the enemy's kryptonite. Is that the way I should say it? It is. Your praise defeats the enemy. And... and, and I'm sure I've used these examples before, but think about this. Think about Jericho. God told them to walk around and shout. Isn't that right? What about Jehoshaphat? He took the army out, and he said, God said, put the choir in front, and they praised, right? What about Paul and, and Silas in the Philippian jail? They're there. They've been beat within an inch of their life. They're in chains. Did you notice something about all three of these situations? All of them start praising when they're in the middle of it. They weren't, the walls weren't down when the Israelites were praising around Jericho. The choir was shaken in their boots, scared to death on the way out to the battle against the three armies. But they started praising in the middle of it. And when they showed up, everybody was dead already. That's a good battle. Paul is almost dead. And it says they started to sing hymns to God. They were not set free. Really, the Bible says they're like in stocks and, and chains. They were, they were nearly dead. And in the situation, they start praising God. That means after you've told him, after you've thrown it to him, after you've got your thoughts right, you've got, whether it's changed or not, you've got to just start praising God. You've got to start praising him. Because in all of those examples, it's showing us praise him in the storm and the storm will cease. Some of you are in the middle of a battle and you just need to start praising him to watch the walls crumble, to watch the enemy defeated, to watch the chains just come off. And the prison doors open. Thank him. Thank him. Can I tell you something? When you praise, and I might have said this this morning, but you bring the king into the thing. I'll throw in one more rhyme. When you sing in the thing, 
You bring the king into the thing. That was way too much for some of you. I can feel that. In other words, when you worship in the middle of it, he shows up. And he brings freedom. Tell, throw, think, thank. Tell, throw, think, thank. Can you say that with me? Tell, throw, think, thank. One more time. Tell, throw, think, thank. Now tomorrow, when something happens, or Tuesday, and it starts to worry you, you tell yourself, you bust out your phone, tell, throw, think, thank. And the Bible says, then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. You might be here tonight. Pastor Alex, if you can help me out. You might be here tonight. And you say, Pastor, there are some things that are weighing on me. And I need to bring the king into the thing. I need God's presence to come into my situation. There's something that I'm worried about. It's been weighing on me or it's off and on or something. But you say, I want to live in peace. I don't want to have any more sleepless nights. I don't want to have to depend on the medication to get me through the day. I don't want to have to depend on the liquor to get me through. I don't want to have to depend on other things to the pills to get me through the night or the day. I don't I want to be free of it. And if that's you tonight, you say there's some things I want to be free from, I'm going to ask you just to stand with me right now. Come on, just stand with me right now. You say, I'm not saying you're dependent on drugs if you stand. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying there's something weighing on you that you need to release to him tonight. He is saying to you tonight, will you throw it to me? Will you throw it to me? Come on, Stan, there's more of you tonight that would say, yes, there's some things bearing down on me that I need to release to him tonight. Just stand. Hallelujah. In fact, would everyone stand tonight? And here's what we're going to do very practically we're going to do those things Pastor Alex is going to play music the band's going to play along we're not going to sing but I want you to talk to God for just a minute I want you to talk to him and tell give him the real story for just a minute can we do that band can we just play what you're playing pretty loud for a minute so people don't feel intimidated and let's just talk to God come on lift your voice and begin to talk to him Jesus God, we just begin to tell you, Lord God, what's going on. Here's the situation. Here's the real story, Lord God. I want you to be fully aware in all honesty, Lord God, of what's going on in my life. Hallelujah. In all honesty. Just begin to tell him. Just tell him. Just tell him. Just talk to Jesus. Come on, church. This is church. You should know how to pray. You're the people of God. Talk to him. Tell him what's on your mind. Tell him what's going through your life. Tell him what you're going through tonight. Just tell him. 
Just tell him. Just talk to him tonight. Hallelujah. 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 Now listen. If you lifted your hand tonight, I'm going to ask you to come just right up here. You lifted, you stood a minute ago and you said, yeah, I want to wait lifted off of me. Come on, just come forward. Just come stand right here. We're going to do something together. We're going to do these things. Come on. Just come on up. It's family night, youth, kids, anything. There's some thing weighing your heart down. Just come. Yeah, yeah. Right here. You just talked to God. I hope you did, but I want you to take that thing like it's in your hand. That thing that's weighing you down, take it like it's in your hand. Come on, and and again, just tell it to God and look at your hand. I know this seems weird, but look at your hand like you're putting it in your hand. Jesus, here's what I'm dealing with. Here's what I need your help with, God. It's for real. This is the real stuff. And you've told him tonight. I'm going to give you another second or two to tell him. Just tell him, just tell him. I know you are. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to close your hand. I want you to pray over it. Father God, you see everything that's been spoken tonight in, in, in a symbolic way. We say we're holding it in our hands, but God, we don't want to hold it anymore. God, the thing that's causing us not to sleep, the thing that's causing us to worry and fret when we're at school, the thing that's messing us up, Lord God, we want to not hang on to it. We want to be able to release it to you today. So, Lord, we throw it on you. and Symbolically, we toss it to you tonight. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do, church. Just take it and just throw it up. Amen? I mean, this might seem weird, but this is like a symbolic act. Are you ready? On the count of three... I want us to throw it. Amen? I want us to throw it, and then I want us to lift up a shout of praise and thank Him. Are we ready? One. Are you ready? One, two, three. Let it go. Let it go, and really let it go. Come on now, praise Him. Jesus, we thank You. We thank You that we can release it to You. We thank You, Lord God, that we can put it in Your hands. We thank You, God, that we can throw it on You tonight. And it's yours. You got to do it, Lord. You got to come through for us because we don't have the ability. Come on, just begin to thank Him. Just begin to thank Him. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Oh, we thank you, Lord. The Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Pastors, ministers, leaders, just begin to pray for all these individuals tonight. Just begin to lift them up. Come on. Just continue to thank Him and praise. Hallelujah.
Thank you, Lord, that I can cast all my cares on you. I thank you, Lord, you're a personal God. I thank you, Lord, there's nothing too big for you. I thank you, Lord, your goodness today. 